0: this is soccer 101 with moon and
1: Rakio. hey welcome back to soccer 101 with moon and rockio uh the lovely thing is rockio and i are in the same studio right now so Hey buddy, how you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Great to look over there and see your wonderful face. I know. I'm doing great. Great to look over there
1: and see your wonderful face. I know. And you just were commenting on my big, nice, uh, warm sweater. And even though it's technically still summer, because we have a few days, I think a, I think fall starts on Saturday, right?
0: It does start on Saturday. And, mm-hmm. and people might not know this, but uh, every studio in the world colder than you would ever think.
1: The Point Studio is the coldest place <laughs> in St. Louis. So everybody, uh, everybody that tunes into the Riz Show uh, on YouTube is always commenting. And that's a nice way of putting what they say about my outfits because I'm I'm dressed like like a grandma. And today I'm in this like I mean this this doubles as a blanket in a cabin it in Colorado. Does
0: kind of look like it would be a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Your grandma has a cabin in Colorado. That's the blanket yeah. on the couch, 100. This
1: is this is the blanket next to the bearskin rug. <laughs> uh, not what I would have worn to the match yesterday. I did not go though because you know it was a school night. Uh, for St. Louis City to be playing on a Wednesday, but hey, man, I kind of like those midweek matches. It was super, super fun uh, to watch. But before we get into the St. Louis City versus LAFC, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Houston match since we didn't get to talk about it. One-one draw. Uh, what did you see on the field out there?
0: Again, and it's going to be kind of come a theme of, of today's show, but you know, it was a good game despite them only getting the one point in a draw. We talked about it about how how stingy the Houston defense is. I'm sure you saw that game that was an extremely stingy defense. The goal though that they put in obviously Klaus getting a goal for the second straight game at the time. That was really important. I think Benjamin Hockman over at the Post Dispatch did an incredible piece because of what's special about that that goal moon is that all 10 outfield players touched the ball on that possession before it got to Klaus for the goal. And Hockman talked to each player on the field at the time and kind of broke down their contributions to that play. I thought that was a fascinating play, a great look into the team soccer that City has to play, and obviously just a huge goal for Klaus, getting him more comfortable. That was a big deal against a really tough Houston defense. Yeah, Klaus
1: is awesome. Uh, Since he's been back, that was my only worry is I wanted him to make sure he was getting, uh, you know, getting goals in those first few matches back from from that big injury. Uh, It helps with confidence. We know confidence can be a uh, a good medicine and a bad medicine as far as strikers go, but, you know, again, Houston draw and then the LAFC draw, so we're kind of getting used to that, and I'm going to tell you, as a, as a fan, uh, I don't think we would be tolerating draw after draw after draw if we if we weren't at the top of the Western Conference. You know, as, as a big fan that's just hoping that we stay top of the table over there, every single time we get a draw, it's almost like a oh, bummer, but it's kind of a, a, a sigh of relief, and it's interesting that you mention uh, that Klaus goal and everybody touching it that was one of like my high school team was great we were freaking awesome right and we had played together throughout middle school and all that. And when we were kicking the ass of the opponent, one of one of the, almost like a drill that we would yep. do was making sure, like, hey, let's score a goal after everybody touches. After everybody touches the ball, you know, almost like a, like a hacky sack, you know, when you get the hack. <laughs> and uh, and it's awesome to see that. And not only did we see that in in a match like that, and then Klaus gets a gets a goal against a great team that was defending well going into that match. Um, We saw it again yesterday in the first half, and I think even the announcers uh, during the first half of the LAFC match uh, mentioned about how City is moving the ball, really trying to control the ball, possess the ball, move the ball, and get touches on the ball. And it almost looked like a drill. You know, obviously we we came out of the season with uh, Coach Carnell talking about the uh, the counterattacking and the speed and the wing play and whatever we're going to do as far as... Um, as far as tactics and as as far as strategy. But it's really fun to watch these guys game in and game out now and see the consistencies of the many touches before a goal-scoring opportunity, not just dump and run, not just dump and run, Um, which was a little bit of what I was worried about when I first started hearing about the counterattacking strategy being the main strategy. I was like, I don't want to see just dump and run. That's hockey, soccer—you know—that's a really
0: good point because I, 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 re, I, think that there's if you play in a, a big counterpressing style, there's a couple different ways to do it. You know, you can be that kind of, you know, you can kind of be the dam where you let pressure constantly like barrel down on you, and then as soon as they overcommit, that's when you snap against them. You know, you can have that style of counterpress, which isn't really city, or you can have one where it's just hectic, break pacing, you know, full on gag impressing like yeah. like uh, Klopp would uh, bring brings the yeah. EPL, or you can kind of find one in a middle ground where it's you find find a way to have possession soccer. And then when you're not in possession, that's where the press is coming from, and you play a high trigger. And I thought last night really was a great example, because they were triggering really high. You saw AZ coming from that center spot, where he would split the strikers every time as he would go after the ball, whether it was one of the center backs or the goaltender. So they're playing that press, and they're triggering it high, but at the same time, when they actually have the ball, it's not just dump and run soccer. It's possession-based, and really combining the best of both worlds. It's not easy to do, but when you do it, I think we've seen across, not just MLS, world Football. When you can combine both of those aspects, it's usually what you get with winning teams.
1: Yeah, and you know it's incredible. We have to just take our hats off. Um, and I think I think more and more casual fans are going to really start to understand the value that we have in Coach Carnell mm-hmm. and Lutz and this whole organization from the top, not only putting together these players and putting and bringing people in like uh, you know Markanic, who, who was what he was on the second squad over in Colorado. Yeah, like, they were not playing him at all. Like, but, but finding. Not only like good players and good skills, but like figuring out how they really go into not just the strategy, but the strategies of this team. And again, it's a relief and uh, another testament to how smart uh, these guys and gals are in the in the upper office of putting together these things. So when you hear the first match, you know, hey, we're going to be a counterattacking team and people like me worry about the dump and run, you find out that not just counterattacking dump and run, but we have counterattacking high pressure, intense pressure. Then we have counterattacking possess and give it back to Berkey, let Berkey work, work with his feet a little bit and spread mm-hmm. out the teams. Like There are like 11 different angles to this counterattacking team now and now we're really seeing the smarts that have been put out on the field from the coaching, from the training, from all of it. And not only that with the strategies, but with the players. He's playing different players. He's kind of moving them around. He's strategizing each player's movement Mm -hmm. differently. And it's freaking sweet from an observer and like a studier to watch these matches, even if they end in nil-nil draws.
0: I don't care what anybody says. That was a fascinating Game to watch That was a fun game to watch The fact that it was nil-nil I didn't even it, it didn't hit me until Really until the 90th minute hit And I'm like Oh okay This game's going to go Scoreless And then Tom Timmerman Threw out that It was the first It's the first ever Nil-nil game in, in City's history And I'm like I don't care Like as somebody yeah. who Again we talked about it You know on on, on last week's episode somebody who Who was naturally against soccer because of the classic stereotypical reasons. Well, it doesn't score enough. It doesn't matter when you get that kind of back and forth. You know, on the edge of your seat. I've heard on ESPN the games gotten a couple comparisons to like the the one nothing Cardinals win over the Phillies in 2011 because it doesn't matter. There's no scoring because at any moment any ball coming off a foot could completely change the complexion of the game. And there's something special about that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's and it's something I've said to to new soccer fans. It's like, listen, man. When you tune into this match or you you go to a match, are you staring at the scoreboard? <laughs> if you're staring at the scoreboard, this is going to be a boring game because it's only one one or it's only three two or it's nil nil. Like, but no one's watching the scoreboard. And when I talked about it briefly, because I have a tiny brief segment on the uh, the Riz Show today, um, you know, I, still, I said nil nil, and all of them were like, oh, you know, oh, here we you go. know right into the stereotypes, and they got to just <laughs> hammer me for it. And I'm not even going to try to uh, explain anything on on that show in that segment because that's kind of the. Kind of the, the shtick of, uh, of attacking me over soccer. But, again, are you watching the scoreboard or are you watching the action? Because if you're watching the action, a match like that, you're okay with a nil-nil. And, again, we're top of the table. Uh, they were third place. They needed to gain points. We didn't necessarily. And um, I had some buddies that were there. I wish I could have been there. They were blasting Greek fire over the, yes, uh, were. Over the, that. Over the, the loudspeakers, which is great. I wish I could have been there. But they all said they had one of the greatest times of their lives. Like, it was a great match. Great energy. It was awesome. We got to hold the reigning MLS champions to zero goals. And I'll tell you, there's some controversies there with that initial no handball and then a a possible couple handballs that may have been like a makeup call since he made (laughs) the wrong call the first time. And I had a little bit of issues with the VAR taking a goal back on an offside that was not called during the, the Houston match, I believe. Um so, you know, there's there's a lot of drama to be seen, and for guys that are like, guys and gals that are studying the sport, you're watching a match like yesterday, and you're finding out a lot about your squads, and it's it's fun. So, just have fun, will ya?
0: Yeah, and let's talk about some of the things we watched, because it really there really were a lot of fascinating things to take. Something I didn't uh, put in our rundown, but you mentioned that I wanted to get to, because I missed, because I, I, I was watching a lot of other things, because like, I rarely watch the ball, or I, I try to watch the ball as little as possible in this game, and try to watch what people are doing around it. And one of the things I missed that a lot of people have been talking about, and you brought it up. Berkey's ability to come out from the net and play the ball with his feet in kind of a sweeper keeper kind of role. You mentioned that. What, what, what jumped out to you about Berkey's game last night?
1: Um, I mean, Berkey's always trying to keep clean sheets, uh, but I like that you can tell when he has the ball at his feet, he's not... Um, He's not one of those goalies that's just thinking about the net and just thinking about clean sheets and trying to get rid of the ball in the safest fashion. He's not, you can tell when he's looking up, he's not looking up to find like a space to dump the ball. Mm-hmm. He's actively, or from what I can tell, he looks like he's actively thinking about goal scoring opportunities. And, um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with defensive goalies that are, you know, okay with their feet or even great with their feet, but a lot of times when you see a ball at a goalie's feet, you can kind of tell what type of, um, uh, mind soccer mind Mm -hmm. that they have are they just thinking about the goal they just thinking about saves and oh here I have the ball and I need to get it out of my my quarter my half um but I think Berkey when you when you watch him with the ball and I think defenders you can kind of notice how defenders attack him too when he has the ball the defenders are not as confident because they know that Berkey is somewhat confident on, on, on you know with the ball at his feet and you can see that he's looking he's looking at the field in a way that he has been taught or trained with this particular um, this particular formation and philosophy, and, and whether it's the coaching or not, I don't know. But he is thinking about the strategy of the team as well. You can tell when he when he when he looks at the ball and he looks up at the field, he's trying to be a part, uh, a small part or a big part of whatever the next play is that's going to lead to a goal scoring opportunity rather than just clearing the ball. And I love that.
0: And I love the way that you said that because I actually got a chance to ask Berkey last night about that big play where he almost picked up the hockey assist with that big long pass. And Nico, I actually kind of asked him about what he sees there.
1: No, uh, first of all, I was looking to the left. I think Klaus was moving or running to the left, and I saw that. I think it was Vela was uh, saw that that I looked left. He, he went left, and Nico was all by himself. So I knew I have just to play the ball there and uh, hope for the best and. Yeah, it was a, was a good chance. Um, yeah, but that's the thing, you know. That's what I'm talking about. We have to be in the front of the goal. We have to be more clinical.
0: So you heard it there right there from Berkey. And I, I kind of asked him, you know, are you looking – for specific plays like that, or are you just looking to get the ball down there and hopefully something good happens? And you heard him break it down. He sees Klaus play it one way, that pulls Vela the other way, and then he sees Nico open up. And so I think there's a lot of people, if you just watch a City game, you're wondering, well, is, are, is it just bombing it down the, the field and hopefully something happening? No, no, no. This guy is a maestro. He's a conductor looking for something to break downfield and then take his shot. And I think that was a, a really great insight into his game. Uh, some other big things we talked about, Anthony Marcanic was somebody we were texting about between you and I, Moon, during the game. He's been so incredible, and I thought last night was just a wild, great game for him. Again, this is the guy who they brought in during the transfer window in a trade with the Colorado Rapids. And then they bring in Thor. He's the big name. So he's the second of the, these acquisitions in the, in the transfer window, smaller, and he has made such an incredible impact. He started at left fullback yesterday. And I don't know which one impressed me more, whether it was just his overall offensive game or the fact that he was able to combine it with a defensive game. The left side of City yesterday was a fascinating thing to watch between him, Leuven was playing out wide yesterday and left in that diamond midfield. Just the interplay they had where Marcanic would get forward, Leuven would drop back, and then they would they would always be able to link the ball up. There was a couple plays early on in the first, I don't know if you remember it where Marcanic just really patiently just dribbling through the levels of the LA defense and he almost actually got one of their big goals. I'm just so impressed with the, what this kid's doing and the fact that he's doing it not just from a winger spot, but he's doing all of this offensive work while also having all of that defensive responsibility. It's so impressive.
1: Yeah, one of the things I like about Marcanic or at least the 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 few minutes that I've gotten to watch him so far is um he seems like a Strong barrel of energy without being too big or too small. Um, I think he can kind of be really sneaky uh, in ways that are going to r- really benefit this type of team, especially with like, you know, like a bigger, thicker midfielder, like, mm-hmm. like you know, like, like Leuven. Leuven's got some wheels, but he's not, he's not a speed demon. He's not going to, he's not going to trick you on speed necessarily. Whereas Marcannik, when I was watching him, it's kind of hard to grasp, and I'm a, you know I'm like a natural born defender. So like usually when you're when you're when you're defending people, when you're when you're kind of watching them, you're sizing them up in a hundred different ways to see like okay, can this guy beat me in a, in a sneaky quickness? Is he mm-hmm. is he a is he a great runner at pace for for long distances? There's a hundred different things that are going through your head. And when I was watching Marcanic, I wasn't exactly sure what his um, his his greatest. Uh, weapon would be. You get that stop
0: me. start stuff going too. That that that's gotta be tricky as a defender when you're expecting a guy to just to commit either I'm gonna get forward, I'm gonna get inside, or I'm gonna get wide. And but he's kinda stopping and starting and inside outside. You yeah. really didn't know
1: what he was gonna do. He's he's gonna be I think if he's used right and if he really just works hard, trains hard and really has what seems to be like a, the high soccer IQ there, um, I think he's gonna be a heck of a weapon because um, we, we have some strikers and players from Leuven to Klaus to G- Joe Aquini that, like, after you watch him for half an hour, okay, you know what type of player these guys are, what their moves are, what their weaknesses are. Uh, Adenaran, you know, I, I didn't see some of his strengths come out until this, this, these last couple weeks, and where I'm seeing a ton of strengths in him. So you can see, like, all the puzzle pieces, and Markenik's going to be possibly that wild, wild card that could really like make a difference. Maybe not on like score sheets that you you know you stack up on the season, like a high goal score or any of that, but like little things where where when you know, you know that wow, that was the difference maker in this match that happened to be the difference maker in the season. You know what I'm saying? He might just yeah. be that sort of under the radar secret weapon somewhere.
0: And I, I think one of the main reasons it's been like that is because City did such a great job of incorporating who they had at the left back spot. And as much as great as Kyle Hebert was, he was a center back with some, you know, with 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 better than average wheels who was being asked to play out of position at fullback. And so And, and, you know, unfortunately, Selmir Pedro was never able to work out. So you were always kind of wondering what's going on at the left-back spot. John Nelson was in there earlier in the season, and again, he's a solid player, but just the consistent level that you need from your back four in this system wasn't there. And so they were kind of faced with a question mark. And Mark has been, I think we can safely say, better than they even expected, which is, you know, kudos to the scouting group here at, at STL City. But to have a position that you've been kind of having to save face for and kind of shift the the formation in a way that you're compensating for maybe not having that level of player at left back. And now all of a sudden you get a guy who – can not only play your defensive scheme, but can range up forward in in almost a wingback way that none of your other left backs were able to do before that. It just opens up a complete part of the playbook that I think Carnell just kind of had blank or had to block out. Mm -hmm. And like you were talking about earlier, when you have a coach as good as Bradley Carnell, at any point if you're giving him more options throughout a week to plan a game plan, it's going to work out in his favor.
1: Yeah, man, I think he's gonna be, I think he's gonna be a, a great addition here, and to show the confidence too up against uh, reigning ML, uh, MLS champions, we have defenders that are you know world class defenders, Keolina, Keolini, and uh, what Boateng is out there. I mean, there's, there's like a, there was there was a lot of skill and a lot of intimidation factor that didn't seem to rattle any of our guys, uh, you know, new or old. Um, so and, and like you said, man, a, a kudos and a credit to the scouting team, like it, just everybody in the office. At st louis city uh, has 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 really impressed as much as the players have. and I and I think even the casual fans are really starting to understand that because, Guys, we're an expansion team. We're at the top of the Western Conference. The top of the Western Conference. Hanging in there with MLS champions and all this kind of stuff. Not just hanging in there, beating them and, and scoring more points than they have. And uh, and that is not just a testament to the players. It's a testament to the players, the strategies, the office, the the, the coaching, the the scouting, all of it. So kudos to them. Uh, clinched his playoff spot last night with, with that um, with that draw. And, of course, Galaxy uh, beat uh, Minnesota United 4-3. Uh, to three, And that puts us in. So now we can breathe a sigh of, of, of relief, but we want to, we want to, We want to shut out everybody from here until the end. Embarrass the league and just run away with it.
0: And obviously, you have Seattle coming up later in October. Another home game. Another way to prove that that you know if they're the number one seed in the West. And heck, the numbers uh, say they probably won't. But if they're able to catch Cincinnati and be the number one overall seed in the entirety of the playoffs, that's saying the road comes through City Park. This isn't. There's no Super Bowl here, ladies and gentlemen. There's no neutral sites. If you're the number one seed, you get. Your home field advantage through the conference final. And if you're the number one seed in the MLS, that championship game is happening. At your stadium, and they have been unbelievable at home. And so, if you can again settle your home field advantage with a win over Seattle Sounders, potentially clinching the number one overall seed while beating the team that you might have to beat in the conference finals, LAFC, another very good chance, obviously, to be in those conference finals. If you're able to mark these guys, play with them full 90s, maybe even beat Seattle, it's just I can't imagine the confidence you give this fan base going into their first ever playoff run. Yeah,
1: that's a big deal. And listen, I know uh, a ton of us have been able to get down to City Park and see these matches, and I know there's a few people that, since it's you know mid to, to end of the season here, um, a lot of people have gotten into City Park for the first time these last couple of weeks mm-hmm. to to see this. And if you're still new or you're you know you feel so, somewhat newish, uh, you know this is a podcast that we initially developed, Michelle and I, to to get people into soccer and kind of give you some uh, just basics on soccer and what to look for. And I'm encouraging you if you have just recently gone to City Park for the first time or maybe it's coming up here in the next couple weeks um like Rocky o mentioned earlier, watch some of the guys off of the ball. Don't just watch the ball, watch some of these players off the ball. That is how you will find your favorite player. That's how you're going to find who's hustling, who's not, who's maybe, uh, you know, a really intelligent soccer player and who's just sort of sort of kind of feeling out their position or feeling out their team or something like that. Watching off the ball is just as much a, a, a part of this game as watching on the ball because, you know, nothing stops. It's it's continual action. It's harder to do when you're watching on TV, but you still can do that to a certain extent, so that's where you're going to really find your hero players, and they're not always just the the the, the number tens or the, or the or the goal scorers. One of my favorite players ever for Manchester United was one of the unsung heroes. I mean, he was recognized later, but uh Herrera in the in the midfield mm-hmm. was just an absolute key component and when he was gone, holy smokes was there a hole. And you you, you watch guys like Modric these, these last mm-hmm. few years. Obviously he's he's gotten his uh his just desserts and everything. But when he first hit the hit the scene, you know, like soccer folks were watching this guy going, Wow, this is a key player. Maybe not on a stat sheet, but like key player, and that's how you're going to find them is watching guys off of the ball. So let me encourage you to do that if you're a new fan uh, to, uh, to, to the sport or to the team. This is an exciting place to be. And uh, and I'm I'm just so proud of our city and, and and everything that we've done to support this team. Obviously, it makes it easy when they're kicking butt.
0: I love that point too because I've also noticed that I'll be watching a game and, and you know the first 45 minutes will end. So it's halftime. you got a little downtime. I'll, I'll pull up Facebook and I'm in a couple of these these fan groups and I and I see a lot of people. Initial reaction in some of these games, Houston, LA, have just been like, "Man, these guys. This is a terrible first half of soccer." And I'm like, I think the issue is. Is people watching the ball too often because so many things can happen with the ball, where it just it ricochets weird ways. You know, first touches just don't go the way you expect, and you just want to be like, "Wow, they're not playing solidly." And I think that's what it, the issue is. If you look around, everything that's happening to get the ball in those spots, all the people working to make that happen, I think you definitely will see the quality of this team deeper. I think watching the ball almost gives you a shallow view in a way that I think City's better if you watch them off the ball. I think there's because things can be hectic and because you know they're they're always. You know, there's a lot of different guys who who are who are coming in and out of the lineup at different times. They're talented, but I think there's times where only watching the ball actually hurts you when it comes to city because there's so much happening behind the scenes that sets up all these big moments. You might want to just see the you know that, that big Zhao Klaus goal, but you didn't see the 14 times before that where he pressured that guy that way. And yeah. he didn't get a steal. But 15th time he got that steal. And there's something about seeing the first 14 times he pressured that guy that didn't work, that makes the 15th time easier. Even more special.
1: Yeah, it's much closer to chess than checkers too. And first timers usually think like you know it's just a bunch of people out in a formation kicking a ball around. But uh, a lot of times these strikers are trying to work out the defense and see what they're doing. Are they man marking? Are they moving over here? Are they 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 parking the bus? What are they doing? And especially in this moment in the season, in this particular atmosphere in the season, a lot of these teams are playing strategies. To not worry so much about uh, scoring goals. It's really to, to not lose or, or gain a point or, or, you know what I'm saying, like at the beginning oh, of the Minnesota season.
0: Could've, they they could have really helped doing that instead of, you know, yeah. they were up 2-1 against the Galaxy. They end up losing 4-3 and now, right now, they're staring outside in at the playoffs because yeah, of that.
1: exactly. And because of the, because of this place in the season, a lot of people are just trying to hold on to playoff contention or they're trying to do this or they're trying to do that. It's a little different at the beginning of the season when everybody's just trying to come out, score goals and, and, and make impressions. So there's a lot of strategy going on on the field and off the field. Uh, so keep that in mind, uh, but it's an exciting sport and this is about the time where things really start to get fiery, really start to get fiery, um, and it's going to be exciting City is uh, coming up on here on Saturday uh, playing against that Minnesota United team that we just mentioned and that is one step closer to clinching home field advantage, That, like you said, uh, with the conference final and um, it's gonna be exciting. What time's that game start? It's
0: gonna be seven thirty P. M. first kick and or kickoff, however kickoff everyone to talk about it. And again, that one's gonna be tricky. Minnesota United last night that was their first League Cup regulation or not League Cup, sorry, um just league game. Regulation loss since July before the restart. So I mean, they, they were a team that was really cruising. They were getting their spot up. They had a lot of draws in there, but nonetheless, they are right now sitting a point out of that ninth wild card spot. So I mean, Minnesota is going to be absolutely clawing for all three points. So it's going to be interesting to see if St. Louis do they maybe play a little bit more of a conservative style. I'm not saying they're ever, I'm not saying the style could ever be called conservative, but instead of the the, the fullbacks like we saw against LAFC, constantly pushing into the attacking third, yeah. does maybe City play? back a little bit more knowing that Minnesota United cannot play for one point. they got to play for all three.
1: Yep, the clash of strategies will be on full display on Saturday. You said 7.30 starts? 7.30. Cool, that's Apple TV Plus. Um, hey man, thank you for joining us. Thanks for uh, for sticking with us there. I know we had a little bit of a lull while Michelle took that big gig. Congratulations again to Michelle Smallman. She is just the best of the best. She's over in New York just cruising. And I'm so thankful to you for joining the crew, Rocky. Oh, thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank,
0: thank you so much for having me, Moon. And of course, you guys can hear Michelle every morning before the opening drive kicks off on 101 ESPN. You get two hours of unsportsmanlike on ESPN with Michelle, Chris Canty, and Evan Cohen, 5 a.m. to 7 a.m.
1: You got anything else, Rocchio? No,
0: everyone just enjoy the game. I hope everyone had a great job, great job by the fans last night. I know it got a little rainy. I haven't heard a single person complain about the rain. No. That's huge with the weather, with, with everything. The fans were incredible last night. Can't wait to watch this game in Minnesota. It's going to be fascinating. Just keep that Seattle game circled. We're going to be talking a lot about that over the next couple of weeks. That's
1: right. And just to close it out, I just want to say to my buddy Dave uh, in league Lincoln Park, who's a giant LAFC fan, that, uh, no, you did not take three points from St. Louis City. No, you did not, Dave. But, uh, yeah, let's go out, Rockio, on a goal. Goal!